Hey Sylvia, um, so it's Tuesday morning, February the 4th, and I am composing this letter from a wonderful little setup I have in my bedroom, um, <laughs> a little workspace I've created for myself, but which one of my cats has pretty much taken over, so whenever I try to work, uh, Kalinda just starts batting at my pen and sitting on my on my keyboard and it's thoroughly amusing but you know she spends more time here than I do so she has the right anyway I want to thank you for your last letter which was wonderful which uh, I actually received while I was in India as you know I spent about 11 days there uh, traveling around the north and I am going to tell you more about that I hope you got my photos uh, there are more where those came from and I'll I'll, be, I, I'll make another selection soon, I think, and send you some. Um, but I want to respond to your letter first before talking about India, which I also need to kind of digest um, as well, which I, kind of brings me back to, you remember, we once uh, we had, we corresponded about um, this idea of kind of this anxiety we feel sometimes when people ask us how we are and we realize that that's really just a polite question and we should probably just say fine how are you but we also feel well in my case I was saying that you know I also felt like I was being somehow uh, deceitful by not elaborating and or even just being honest and saying actually I feel like crap uh, when that's that's you know not an acceptable answer. Uh, so I was often this kind of dilemma which creates anxiety for me. But I bring this up because it's a similar situation with the with 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 my experience in India where people say oh, how was India? Well that's you know <laughs> the the response to that question can doesn't fit into three or four words. I mean it was fine. It was wonderful. Well, I didn't get sick. You didn't you know i mean well yeah i'll go on about the stereotypes um well, that's tila hearing some noises from outside um but yeah when i say i didn't get sick even even that is immediately you know an expression of some of the prejudices we went there with so okay before i ramble any more about india just know that i will tell you more about it in the next letter or two so I wanted to respond to a couple of your questions in your last letter. Not all of them because I really have a tendency to go on and I think I can't fit it all into one letter. So first of all, I, I want to talk about uh, cinema since you sent your last letter after watching a movie. And uh, that I think was your, was your first question was when I fell in love with cinema. And I don't know, I don't know if I would say... I ever fell in love with cinema. That's a pretty strong expression. Uh, But I did, after uh, receiving your question, start to think about my relationship with cinema and how it developed. And uh, I think, you know, I grew up in southern Ohio and um, uh, for the most part in 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 a village, which was even, you know, about half an hour from the closest town, which had a cinema which was mostly, you know, Hollywood blockbusters and whatnot. So really my exposure to cinema was mostly on television to begin with and also renting uh, VHS tapes from the library. Uh, For some reason, at quite a young age, I became very obsessed with old Hollywood. 
I don't know the reason for this. I think even as a very young person, I became, I was very obsessed with old things, which may have led me later in life to study archaeology even. So we're talking really, really old in some cases. In the case of cinema, it was mostly, you know, everything from the silent films up through the 30s, 40s, the 50s a little bit, 60s were, you know, too too late for me. So it was a lot of, especially 30s, 40s, uh, I would say. And um, and then I started reading all these biographies of film stars from those decades. And I even, one of the few times I was ever berated uh, by a teacher at school was why I was secretly reading a biography of Lana Turner under my desk in English class in middle school, I think eighth grade. And the teacher, you know, reprimanded me for reading such smut. I don't think she used the word smut, but, you know, it was, what, what is this? It's a, this, this kind of cheap biography of Lana Turner. Um, and if you know anything about Lana Turner, she did have a pretty wild life. But, uh, well, I shouldn't say. Anyways, I, I think all of these characters were very fascinating to me. And so I read all of these biographies. And so, you know, and I I really loved, I think I really fixated especially more on the actresses than the actors. So I became quite a fan, especially of Barbara Stanwyck, Carol Lombard, um, Greta Garbo, Betty Davis. You've probably heard of those two, Rosalind Russell. Um, and yeah, I don't know if these names are familiar to you. I'd be curious to hear. Uh, then I became kind of interested in the history of Hollywood in particular and the Hayes Code and before and after the Hayes Code. You hear these sounds? That's Kali uh, playing with my pen. Anyways, um, but during all this, so I'm thinking, you know, all the way through high school, I was never really interested in contemporary film. I remember seeing E.T. when I was really young and I liked it, but I don't really remember, you know, I never saw Star Wars. I never saw some of these you know, classics that we su- supposedly grew up on. Um, nothing really till I got to college. And college was where... Uh, I I ended up with a broader choice. Again, I rarely went to the movies, per se, but we had TLA. So this was a Bryn Mawr outside of Philadelphia. Anyone from the area will will remember TLA if they were around in the 90s. Um, and TLA had a pretty broad selection uh, of world cinema and also kind of, you know, alternative cinema that I'd never really been exposed to. So that's, yeah, where I started. I, I think maybe I never watched a foreign film until college. I I can't recall any that I saw uh, before college. So, and then I was studying German, so I was really kind of into Fassbinder and Wim Wenders, Margarete von Trotta, people like that. I had a friend who was very into French cinema, and we used to rent out, I don't know if you will, if you will recall the, I don't, I don't know, uh, you're a bit younger than me, so you might not have I've uh, been at school during it, it, it kind of in the same era, let's say. But, you know, it, we stayed, lived in a dorm where you would have to basically, um, you know, sign out the TV room for certain hours so that you could watch your videos uh, or your videotapes there. So this friend of mine, hey, Sus- uh, Susanna, uh, she was very in, both into old cinema and world cinema, and uh, but more into French cinema than I was. I remember, but we used to. I used to thanks thanks to her, I was exposed to kind of a broader selection 
Um, other than that, the other thing I, I think when we say movies, we think of movies that come to cinemas and whatnot. But actually, in in terms of my formative years, um, made for TV movies were very important to me, and one in particular that really made it, I think, a huge impact on me was Young Catherine, which was a made-for-TV movie shown on TNT, and I'd recorded it, and I remember I would come back from school and just watch it again and again and again, and I was obsessed with certain scenes. And I think at the end of the day, I was really just infatuated with Julia Ormond. Um but yeah, that was a big one for me. Um, and other than that, I also, I also was, uh, a a keen follower of Masterpiece Theater, which again, kind of ties back to this obsession with the old. So all these, all these, uh, period pieces, which also followed with my reading habits at the time too, but that's another topic. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a long elaboration on my, experience with cinema and my relationship to it you mentioned this this idea of um, or this observation of boys in action movies running so fast and uh, I thought about that and I think I'm a bit spoiled in that regard in that over well actually over the past many years I would say I've been pretty picky about what I I mean when I say not to say that you aren't picky about what you watch but I, you know, if if it looks like something's not going to pass the Bechdel test or I know it's not passing the Bechdel test and I know it doesn't have some, I don't want to say strong female lead, but it doesn't have, you know, complex female characters in it, I don't watch it. And I think that eliminates a lot of movies, you know, action movies with boys who run fast, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um but when you said that one film that did come to mind immediately, and I wonder if you've seen it, is the movie Hannah, which came out in 2011. I just looked it up. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'd be really curious uh, what you think of it. Definitely an action movie with a lot of running, but especially a lot of running by a girl. Uh, I haven't seen it. I saw it when it came out in the in the theaters here in Istanbul. And so it's been a while, obviously. It's been, oh my gosh, nine years. Maybe if I watched it now, I wouldn't be quite as impressed, but it was wonderful. And the I think the Chemical Brothers did the music. It was great. I mean, I think it was was a, a very special experience in a movie theater, so you probably won't have that. But, yeah, interesting movie. Uh, worth watching, I'd say, um, if, if for an action movie. Uh, right. And when I was, so to remind myself of Hannah, I went and, and just watched the trailer uh, a short time ago. And interestingly, it ends with this over voice that says, sometimes children are bad people too, which I thought kind of interesting and brought us maybe a full circle to the topic of child raising. And yeah, which you mentioned, especially and, and, and provided this wonderful quote from um, Barbara Ellman, which I am going to read her book eventually. And you have to read Girl, Woman, Other, and we're going to compare notes. Okay, done with side note. Right. Well, first of all, Sylvia, I do not think that birth strained the brain cells out of you. I think that you are, well, I, 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 I certainly don't want to 
presume to be an authority in any way. But I can tell you that as a person who does not have children, I feel like I lose a lot of brain cells um, (laughs) as time goes on. And I think a lot of this is just time and life. Um, And yeah, so and please do not take the fish oil. I don't think that's going to help. But. Yeah, I think I, I think what you t- you touched on something that I've been thinking about a lot and that's this idea of not remembering, losing memory. Um but I wonder, you know, if there's the day-to-days, so there's the short term and there's the long term. And I wonder exactly what you're referring to and, you know, do you really just mean short term or is it also what what is your relationship and your experience with kind of your long-term memories? That's something I've really been delving into over the past few months and trying to understand better my own reactions to certain situations, my own anxieties, which are probably really based in very old experiences that I've buried or kind of ignored consciously or subconsciously. And so I've kind of been grappling with bringing those to the surface and understanding where I'm coming from. Um, And... Yeah, I wonder if if that's something you you do. I mean, you know, I only I've only started really doing this now that I'm forty. So um, it may sound it seems like something that everyone should be doing and and probably does. On the one hand, on the other hand, I I mean, in my case, I it it happened. It's only really started happening over the past year. So I also wonder if reflecting more on one's own childhood is something that comes with motherhood. Is this something that maybe you're more, you know, you're, how do I say it? Yeah, that you're kind of prompted to do by the fact that you are raising a daughter now. Um, and, you know, what that, how that might tie into the, the Audre Lorde quote, um, that you reminded me of in your last letter, for to suppress any truth is to give it strength beyond endurance. Uh, and I'm wondering how that maybe ties in to our pasts in general and the kind of, you know, I think we give a lot of strength to truths even unconsciously, and that's the real struggle is to kind of uncover those and then deal with them. Uh, I also wonder if, uh, you know, how this might apply to the challenges of motherhood for you. And one another thing I would love to discuss in more uh, detail at some point uh, regarding motherhood and family is what you think about. Is there any hope for alternatives really to the status quo to things more radical more feminist uh, I think this has been a dilemma for decades <laughs> and it's a, a lot of talk but not so much doing and uh, you know the idealist in me wants to say that it's you know just the patriarchal structure really pushing back against these alternatives but I don't know for in terms of the lived day to day experience uh what appears feasible. I think some there have been kind of quote unquote experiments in this regard that have gone well. 
but yeah, I've always wanted to be part of such an quote unquote, I don't want to call it an experiment. I should say experience, right? It's an experience. Um, but an experience would be an experience outside the norm. And as such, uh, could perhaps be termed an experiment. But anyways, that's something we can talk about another time because I need to get to work. Yes, it's, oh my, yes. Um, so Sylvia, I look forward to receiving your next letter and I still have notes on questions from your last letter. So I will be responding to those and I'll be writing you about India, but please respond to this letter and, uh, yeah, answer my questions too. And, um, yeah, I look forward to receiving your next letter and keeping up this correspondence. Take care. Bye.